Okay, we're in uh, Mark chapter 10, and before we even start, it's on divorce, and I just always, like, a message like this, I really love to season with grace. I like to be a gracious person anyway, because it ref- accurately reflects our God. And there were times when I would look at somebody uh, who had been divorced, like, <laughs> less spiritual than myself. I'm ashamed to say that. Um, you messed up. Now you're an adulterer. Because I read things like this and I was immature and I, I didn't grasp it. I didn't get it. I, I don't think we'll see anything like that today. But I'm not, if it, when I t- try to teach the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about sin. And, but it's calling men, it's calling women to repentance. It's not just trying to like, I don't think you're shamed into the kingdom of God. I don't think it works that way. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it's, uh, we're attracted to his grace and his graciousness. Not, you know, and there's a lot of preachers out there with that big long finger. It's about three and a half feet long. And it's always pointed at you and you're a disgrace. And I never want to be like that. So I, I just want you to understand as we're reading down through this, he's not offering up like, okay, you're, you're done. You're, you're both sunk eternally. Okay, there's a question or homework along those lines. Let's let's read and let's understand what he's saying. So it's going to be the first 12 verses, and it's an important topic, marriage. So I want to talk about marriage. I want to talk about divorce. I want to look at the Old Testament where he sets up the rules and what's being referred to here. Give you a reading. uh, Give you attention to the reading of Mark chapter 10, please. Uh, Verse 1. And he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan, and the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, Why did Moses, what, uh, I'm sorry, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your hearts he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Say, wow, it's very edifying. It is, um, but let's pray. Fathers, we look into your word. We want to have it open before us in a way that we understand what's being said and what's not being said. And because that's, secret to all your scripture, Lord. We want to we wanna know what's the real deal. We don't want to err to the right hand or to the left. We don't want to add, and we don't want to subtract, and we take your word very seriously. But Lord, we understand you to be a gracious and a kind and a good God, forgiving sin. So Lord, we want to get this right. Spirit of God, guide in that way to lead us into all truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. 
Okay, he rose from thence, he cometh to the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. The people resorted on him again, and as he was wont, he taught them again. So it's his custom, he likes to teach everybody. That's obvious. So this, is this the Pharisees? Do we think of them as a disruption to his teaching? No, I think that's the direction I wanted to go anyway, and the Pharisees aid and abet him unwittingly in furthering what he wanted to say. That's my take on it. You can look at it any way you want. So the Pharisees come to him and ask him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Because they want to know. No, they're tempting him. And not soliciting him to do evil, tempting him with the idea of testing him. Why is this a test? It always is. People say, well, does the Bible say, and they'll say to you, one, they'll know the answer. They'll want to check out how politically correct or how politically incorrect you are. And it's always a test. It's always a, and there's always a, <coughs> a temptation to soften the word of God to make it more palatable to the general population. There is to me. There is every week. Um, I want to say what God says. I don't want to deviate from it. Let chips fall where they may. Now, if you are all bent out of shape about that, well, you've got a problem. Take it up with the guy who wrote it. And that's kind of how I feel. I'm not cavalier. I'm not unconcerned. I'm not like, boy, you got an issue. But you got an issue. You know what I mean? I, I, it's not that I'm unconcerned, but I always think like, yeah, just a delivery boy. You don't, uh, don't beat up the mailman because you've got a bill that you don't like. You know what I mean? Um, they're testing him. They're tempting him. And we, I don't want to oversell this, but it's always, a, it's always a trial when people ask us about Scripture. There's always an issue there. There's always a... Now, some people will actually come to you and say, hey, what does the Bible say about... And they're seeking information. That happens, too. Less frequently, I would say. It, it's been my experience. And he answered. So they want to know, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? There's two schools of thought, and there's two prominent rabbis. One of them is more conservative, and he's like, no, basically, if she's was fooling around before you guys got married, divorce. And the other one says, divorce for basically any reason whatsoever. And they want to know what school of thought he is. And so they can attack him on either way. Uh, I like it when they give Jesus A or B. Yes or no. In or out. Up or down. And he always, none of the above. He always, got, he always answers. They're trying to guide him into a, is it, is it lawful to pay taxes or not? Give me a coin. You know, he's, he's not, he's not pl I'm not playing your game. And he never does. He ne he's never baited into these you know, either-or situations. He answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. Now Jesus answered and said to them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. It's not a command. You don't have to get divorced. And I think they understand that. So what are we talking about? We're talking about Deuteronomy chapter 24, the first four verses, and we should look at that to understand what's being alluded to. Fifth book in the Bible, 
Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, and we'll look through the first four verses. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her. Uncleanness is the operative word here, okay? Then let him write her a bill of divorcement, and give it to her hand, and send her out of his house. Does this sound, on the face of it, like, one, divorce is absolutely forbidden? It is in a couple countries in the world. They're both Catholic countries. And you think, well, it should be... It should be against the law here. It doesn't work in the countries where it's against the law. One of them is the Philippines, and one is some South American country. I almost think Ecuador, but I'm not sure. Uh, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So a guy marries John Doe, marries Jane Doe, unsuccessfully, and they hate each other. So John leaves, but they can't get a divorce because it's against the law. So... Jane Doe takes up with Richard Rowe, and they're not married, but they're living like husband and wife and having kids, and she's got a kid or kids from her marriage with John Doe, and then they get sick and tired of each other, and they leave, and they re-live together, but they're not divorced because they were never married, but they're still married legally to the first person. The inheritance things really, really, you can imagine how goofed up it is. Uh, yeah, I married that Jane Doe. We were married for two years, but I married 27 years successfully to the second one. It, it's really, really, you think it would be paradise not allowing divorce. You haven't changed people's hearts at all. And so, the, and I don't know if it's even... It last probably last time I stood here, <laughs> this ground, it was probably the law then. I don't know if it's still the law now. Um, so what's the answer? Well, the answer is here in America, we can divorce any reason, always, forever. Well, it wasn't always that way in America, and I don't think it's a, it's a good idea either. Um, in California, there was a certain governor who said no-fault divorce. His name was Ronald Reagan. He said it was the biggest mistake of his political career. And I'm not trying to rain on Ronald Reagan's parade, but I would agree with him. I think it was the biggest mistake of his political career. Um, In the first half of last century, to get a divorce, you had to be the party, the innocent party, the party sinned against. And there was basically three reasons for divorce. And the reasons were adultery, um, physical abuse, not somebody was nagging you, and uh, abandonment, okay? Your, your husband or wife simply left and took up with somebody else or, or just left. So those were the three reasons. And the person who was the bad person, uh, the guy stepped out and was cheating on his wife. He couldn't divorce her. The, the cheated-on spouse had to initiate the divorce. I think that was a better system, frankly. Now it's no-fault divorce. Uh, So you go before the judge, I can't stand her. (laughs) You know, the gavel, bang, 
you're divorced. Um, I have a son who was victimized this way, and uh, he never quite... Uh, that was the, the, the beginning of his spiritual departure from the things of the Lord. He prayed that he wouldn't get divorced, and he ended up getting divorced, and, you know, thanks for nothing, God. Thanks for not showing up, and he, he's been bitter to this day. Now, I'm not blaming God, and I'm not even blaming him. I'm saying the system really didn't. He, she, she wanted out. He didn't want that, and there was no mechanism in place for him to do anything except now I'm divorced. It's something he never wants. It's something nobody ever wants. Nobody gets married thinking, yeah, it's probably going to go sideways. Well, actually some do, and they put the paperwork in place Okay, this is how it's going to, when, you, when we get divorced, this is my stuff, I'll give you this stuff here, and they carve up the, and there's a prenuptial, uh, th- let me say this to, to anyone online or anything else, anyone who offers you prenuptial, you, the two options are run or run screaming. You do not want to get into a situation where somebody's already planned the divorce before you even get married. That's a very, very bad sign. That's not a, that's, no, that's not even a little bit scriptural, okay? So, and, and it would really dictate against good common sense, right? He's going to cheat on me, he's going to leave me, and he's going to try to leave me high and dry too. No, you don't want to get into a situation like that. So, um, I, I forgot where it's even, <laughs> I get a little sideways there. Because he had found some uncleanness there, and he let her out of bill of divorcement, give her her hand, send her out of his house. Once she's departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Does that sound like God's forbidding divorce? No. If the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and give it into her hand and send her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his house, uh, took her to be his wife. Either way, right? She marries guy number two. He hates her and gets rid of her. Or he dies. Either way, the marriage is dissolved. Okay, that's what's being said here. Her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for inheritance. You say, that sounds like God doesn't want restoration. That's not it at all. What it is is, God saying, okay, to an affair. You stepped out of the first marriage, you, got, you started with this other guy, and then you get back into that marriage again, and God says, that's okay, and God put his imprimata, his okay, his approval on adultery. And you know that can never happen. I know that people get back together again. Sometimes they give it a go. Hopefully there was no hanky and or panky in the interim, but sometimes there is. You know, I, I would like to take this opportunity to say this. We haven't written down all the different permeate. You can't. You can't write down all the different possibilities that there are as far as marriage and remarriage. and You can't, you can't do it because people get themselves into these pickles where you'd never even ever write down the possibility. You, you can't even figure them all out. But what I've always done, and I've reserved the right, I can marry anybody I want or not want. That's how, that's, that's my rules, 
okay? And each case is individual. So you want to get remarried, or your husband sinned against you, he committed adultery, you put him away, uh, that is okay by the law, it's okay by Scripture, now you're looking to be remarried. He's a Christian man, he's, he's and so I, I will look at each situation. Um, people come in, I, I want uh, you to marry us. Um, when do you want to, well, just as soon as the divorce, because I was tired of the last one, I get the new one here, and I, no, <laughs> no, uh, we're going to, so we were talking this morning, um, I've had people come by here and say, oh, you've got such a pretty church, we'd like to get married in it, and I'm thinking like, you mean the antique mall turned judo place turned batting cage, beautiful, uh, and I always answer the same, so I get these emails, I got like three or four of them, so, and I always show Sue's, and we always have a laugh. I wonder if it's the same person all the time. I don't know. But I always email back, stop by church, we meet at 10 o'clock, I'd love to talk about it. Not, pretty non-committal, and we've never had anyone show up yet. Uh, I think it's somebody's baiting us for a possible lawsuit later. I think that is, that is inevitable. I think that is inevitable. I will tell you, I'm not going to marry people of the same sex. Well, she used to be a woman. She was assigned woman at birth, but she became a man, and now she's marrying a biological assigned at birth woman, but that's different gender now, so I... <laughs> no, no, uh, no. I reserve the right for any reason to say... Because let's say this is a biological female and a biological male, and they want to get married, and they're just crazy immature or poison for each other. I reserve the right to say, no, <laughs> just no. So that's how it works here. Now, I haven't written it all down again, all the permutations, all the different possibilities, all the, I, I, I can marry who I want. And I want to meet with somebody, and I want to talk with somebody, and I want to have pre-marriage counseling, and I want to be able to, you know, find out some stuff. Now, absent that, anyone can come to church here. I don't care if you're on the eighth marriage. We don't have a rule about that. And I don't want to make a rule. Uh, I have a really, really close friend. Really, really good friend. I think he's on his fifth marriage. Fifth. And he's happily married to a wonderful uh, girl that we've known for a quarter of a century or more. And they've had kids and they're doing great. Uh, fifth time around. Well, was he... You know, was he a Christian? Was he living for the Lord? Was, you know, you start factoring all these things in and you start, you know, uh, I don't care. <clears throat> I've said this before to several people. I don't care what number you're on as long as this is the last one. You know what I mean? I, and a lot of, you can start unearthing, okay, you, you got divorced. Were you Christians? Okay, was there, who did what? How did it? And you gotta, I get some point when you're marrying somebody, you gotta ask those questions. Absent that, like I say, someone comes out in here and on a second, third, fourth, fifth marriage, come on in, the water's fine. Learn the Bible. I'm gonna teach the Bible to everybody. I don't ask questions. We don't, we have somebody in there uh, at the door. Okay, uh, you, you're dressed as a female, you biologically, 
How, what, what gender were you assigned at birth? We don't do that. You know what I mean? The door's open, okay? I'm going to teach the Bible. I'm going to teach the next verse, the next verse. You get exasperated and you think I'm a total idiot and you, know, you don't like what the Bible says. People like that generally leave. So the only thing here that we find in these verses is God says, when, when you've put her away, you can't remarry her later on after she's... Now, what about if somebody gets divorced, there's no... Then they come to regret it a month or a, a week, a month or a year later and say, I had it pretty good, I don't know why I did that. And they get back together and there's no other... It doesn't really talk about that, does it? So we have to, you know, sort through things like and figure some stuff out. Okay, that's what they're referring to. And they say to Jesus, Moses gave us, he suffered to write a bill of divorcement and put her away. Now, again, the two schools of thought are uncleanness. What is uncleanness? Well, the first school of thought was yeah, I found out she wasn't the virgin she said she was. And that was, here you go, honey, you're divorced. Not, not doing that. The second one was uncleanness meant she was an ag. No, I'm serious. Uh, there's like uh, pages and pages of this written in... Um, you know, commentary about the Torah. Um, she embarrassed you in public. She went out of the house without her head covered. Um, she burnt dinner. I found a better one. That was the uncleanness. Guess which one most people favored? Because of the sinful nature. And he calls them on that. Moses allowed you to write a build book because... He knew, like, countries that don't allow it, it wouldn't fix the problem. So God, way back when, said, okay, and he allows it, and to put her away. And if I didn't say this, I meant to say this, back in the first half of last century when it was uh, okay to divorce, there was only the three, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but I want to say it. There was adultery, and there was physical abuse, and I guess I did say it, and the other one was abandonment. Those were the only three reasons. Now, do we expand that? I, you know, because we talk about like irreconcilable differences as a Christian? I don't see that scripturally. I don't see it as a reason for divorce. Um, it, it's, um, it's funny because People who you think, like, there's no hope for this whatsoever. There always is in Christ. There always is in Christ. Um, people come to us saying, like, oh, it's over, it's bad, it's horrible, it could never work again, and it's working fine. And then there's people who we've counseled with who we thought, no, they, they're good to go, and it... You know what I mean? We, we can't figure out the... We don't have a crystal ball, and we can't see the future. We just do the best we can. We pray, and... Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement, put her away. Jesus answered and said, yeah, because you got hard hearts. That's always the problem in divorce, this hardness of heart. If you had two servants married of opposite genders, they could marry successfully, I'm sure, 
forever. Now, there's better marriages and marriages that aren't as strong because I think compatibility issues and, you know, you get two people with very strong personalities and both of them have to be the, be the boss. Watch the fur fly. That's going to be really fun to... <laughs> they write, write situational comedies on TV about that. That's, that's how that's going. You have two servants who love the Lord and love each other and want to be less selfish than the other one and promote the other one's cause first. You've got a beautiful situation. No, you have a hard heart. That's the problem, Jesus said. For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you his precept. His commandment? No, it's a precept. It's an allowance, but it's not a thou shalt divorce. And again, there's always that. You can always work it out. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. We should look at that. Um, it's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, but I'd rather go to Genesis chapter 2. Now, here's the creator and his commentary about Genesis. He looks at it, one, like it's historical, and two, like it's factual. And by the way, he was there. John chapter 1 tells us this guy who's saying this, he is the creator. And when he said from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female, he knows two things. It happened, one, at the beginning. Well, it happened after millennia and millennia and hundreds and thousands of years of evolution, right? Jesus knows nothing of that, okay? Christians, I know Christians who believe in what they call theistic evolution. God created and he used evolution to, to bring about, the Bible knows nothing of that. Okay, you're just trying to have it both ways. You're trying to get along with your friends and not look like a rube, but you're looking like kind of the biggest rube. If you stand in the middle of the road, you're going to have to worry about traffic from both directions. Just cast your lot in with God. Here's, here's God in the flesh, and what does he say about that? In the beginning, God created them, male and female. And that's in chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. The image of God created them, male and female, created he them. My own belief is that when God created Adam, Eve was in Adam, created in the image of God. Later on, and I'll read it, God fashions woman. He manufactures her, and he takes part of Adam away. I don't have a feminine side. I don't have a highly developed feminine side. I don't have any feminine side. That was removed by the brilliant architect of the whole universe and the one who invented marriage and he did that awesome wonderful job and I'm not going to second guess him we're, we're, men you're missing some stuff okay you're, you're, you're broken on purpose you're not complete in of yourself most of my brothers will say yeah you totally got that right but let's read about it in Genesis chapter 2 <coughs> Verse 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Okay, it talks about the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. It talks about the four rivers, gold. Uh, verse 15, the Lord took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So he's cultivating, he's farmer, He's husbandman before he's husband, okay? And by the way, work is honorable 
It's one of the only things that come to us before the fall. Now work is hard and you earn your bread, uh, bread in the sweat of your brow, but just the fact that we work, God wanted that. He didn't want man to hang out all day and just kind of do nothing. That's, not a, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, and he gives them the, the, the commands concerning the tree of the, good, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 18, the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. I will make him a helper fit for him, co-responder. There's a lot of women kind of bristle at this. One, your man needs help. I'm here to tell you, okay? I, I, I know this for a fact. I need help, okay? All kidding aside. And the word for helper is the same word for the Holy Spirit. It's not a denigration of women in any way. Um, it's the first time God says it's not good. You remember, he creates. It's good, it's good, it's very good. And then he saw everything he created said it's good. And he puts his blessing, his seal of approval. He looks at you, mister, he looks at me, mister, he says, yeah, that's not good. That's, that's a recipe for disaster. It's not good for the man to be alone. God's idea, not my idea, no Bible preacher's idea. That's God's idea. And by the way, all the men of God should be saying, amen, amen, amen. I totally get it. Uh, I was saying this morning, my wife makes me a better man. She holds me to a standard that if, not just, I, I was saying this, saying this we're, we're meeting with, uh, you know, our illustrious worship leader, Noah, and his intended, his fiance, and we're having Marriage counselors, we're talking about these things, and they're right foremost on my mind. I was saying this morning, if I were married to Seuss Castle, I would be the king of pornography, right? No, maybe not, but she makes me, I, I got I to hold up the standard. I'm a man of God. I got I to gotta lead in the things of the spiritual things of God, and I got to lead in, and if she wasn't there to like hold my feet to the fire, I'd be mediocre, maybe. I'm a Calvary Chapel pastor because I'm married to Seuss Castle. Outside of that, could I be? Would I be? I don't think so. That, that's how I look at it. It's not good for the man to be alone. Okay? I'm just, I'm just trying to be honest, just saying, saying the deal here. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So God... Uh, Brings the animals, Adam names all the animals. What is that all about? Why is that? It's not good for the man to be alone. We're looking for help that's suitable for him. He's going to see this. He's going to figure it all out. He's a bright guy. He's, his mind is unaffected by sin. So he sees rhinoceros, Mr. and Mrs. Rhinoceros. He sees orangutan, Mr. and Mrs. Orangutan. He sees a finch, Mr. and Mrs. Finch. And he gets it. He understands. He looks and he's like, it's just me. But a dog isn't man's best friend. Because otherwise it would be Adam and Rover. It, it, listen, this, let me just spell it out. He gave names to all the creatures and the fowls of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found in help meet for him. Not even a golden retriever. Just none. Okay? And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. So he takes out a rib, a side, okay, of Adam. I think it's more than just a... Because the word means 
It can mean ribicosamine side. I think he took away <laughs> half of all that Adam is, if you ask me. Not physically half. Women are generally smaller. We get it, okay? But half enough. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall out of him. He slept. He took one of his ribs. He closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman. Now, the word is manufactured. He manufactured a woman. Okay? He created Adam, but he manufactured Eve. But it said in verse chapter 1, verse 27, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. So I, that's why I think in Adam was Adam and Eve. And he took Eve away and he fashioned, physically manufactured Eve. And Adam said, this is now, and Adam said, now so think of this, he wakes up from the divine anesthesia. He, is, he, is his side aching? Was there blood? Because when Jesus got a bride, there was blood in his side. You remember the spear. There's some definite correlations here. I could connect dots all day in this passage, but that's, not, that's a, something for you later on. Adam said, Adam doesn't say, Adam sings. This is a song. This is the only thing we have, a quote from Adam before the fall, right? He sings. Did they always sing? What did it sound like? Before the fall, did he have like perfect pitch? I mean, one staggers the, the, the implications here. But he sings, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Isha, because she was taken out of Ish. That's what it says in the Hebrew. She'll be called woman. She was taken out of, out of man. Uh, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He totally gets it. This isn't Mrs. Rhinoceros or Mrs. Finch, or Mrs. This is. And by the way, what was that all like? We're not told. Was he like, oh, God, you are so good. I'm, I'm sure that's kind of how it was in my own thinking. It was awesome. Was she beautiful? Yeah. Many of her descendants are and they're you you're look at how women are you can't even help being beautiful i know i know and here women are legendarily so we know it we know it and you are many many generations away from that we're i always think we're swimming in the shallow end of the gene pool i mean think about what they were like especially before sin Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother? What is that verse doing here? They're not leaving their father and mother. Because God had planned marriage out even here in the early stages of Genesis. Now, it's not a geographical leave. I mean, a guy would build an extension on his father's house or a house right next door. His father would come and inspect it. And it was usually about a year. This was after the marriage was proposed. The, they had a, it was a covenant, it was legal, livestock had been exchanged, etc., etc. They, they drank the, uh, a, a toast out of a wine glass, they smashed the glass, not going to drink again until my father, you, you know, you're with me in my father's house. Hmm, I wonder where, and it reminds me of something. Anyway, and all that stuff, and so he would build a house, like a wing or addition on his father's house very often. Now, 
Doesn't John chapter 4 resonate with you? I go to prepare a, a mansion, a dwelling place in my father's house. And, if it, and I'm coming and receive you again. Is this Jesus talking to his bride? Yes. Yes. And he's Jewish in his orientation. He would do the marriage in a Jewish fashion. We here in the West, we don't understand that. But we get it. A man shall leave his father. It's not geographical. It's leaving in the sense of like, mom was number one. She was the alpha male of alpha female in my life. Until I got married. That's how it's supposed to work. You want me to be like a 62-year-old mama's boy? You know, uh, you can be devoted to your mom, and you should. But there's only one, one flesh relationship. This is scripture. It's not asking us to hate our mother and father. We just forget about them. It's asking us to put things in a priority. Marriage only works when it's first priority. And then it works only every single time. Well, you know, people get like, oh, I wonder if I, you know, I get married, I wonder if it'll work. Oh, yeah, yes, God invented marriage. He invented it to work. It will work 100% of the time. One caveat, do it God's way. That's the only thing you have to figure out, okay? What does God say about marriage? Do that, and it's guaranteed to not only work, but to be the most awesome, incredible in ways way past our ability to understand. And people have married a long time, I'll tell you that. He shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Oh, one flesh. I know that's what it's talking about. I know what it's talking about. Yeah, it is. It is. But that's not all it's talking about. I think, like, you're unique. You're not a, you're not a, it's not even Adam and Susie anymore. It's Adam and Suze. It's, it's, it's like we're a couple. We're a, you know, on Facebook, you know, in a relationship, okay? That, so that seals the deal right there. So I, I'll tell you that. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's totally different. Now, kids are the priority, right? No. No, your spouse is the priority. And if you do parenting well, the kids will understand that and know that, and you will demonstrate with children priority is right here. Uh, a lot of people do that wrong. You know, it's all about the kids. And the whole thing's about the kids. And it's kids, 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 kids. And the kids grow up and move away. And they leave. And then we look at a total stranger and like, who's this? And we see, even in Christian communities, that divorce spikes when the kids leave. Really? Not with me and Suze. We were waiting for that day. For we, we didn't get drunk or anything. But uh, I, remember, I remember when uh, Michael left, he, he, he uh, eloped. And uh, I remember her sitting on the bed... <laughs> You know, as a mom will, you know, first day of school, the bus comes and takes little Johnny off to school and mom's little heart is broken. We get that. And that's tender. That's fine. And I remember, you know, she's all crying and, you know, sniffle factory. And I'm like, I know what the deal is. I ain't going to say, hey, what's wrong? So I say, hey, you want to go see a movie? She yeah. And we never look back. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful time of life. And then the grandkids come. And then the, he only moved away a, a few miles. It's not like he moved out of our life. And it's still kind of about the kids, but it's in order. It's, he's, 
He's moved on. He's got, an, he's got his own one flesh thing going and his own family. We totally get that and we give him space. It's a wonderful thing. It's not, it's not like a, some knife in the back. It's, it's wonderful. It's, it's way good. And, and that's the way God made it. Uh, they were both naked, the man and his wife. I would like to comment on that at length, but I'd end up firing myself, so I'm not going to. And they were not ashamed. Uh, I've heard people say, gosh, she was a shameless hussy. <laughs> not so. There was nothing to be ashamed about. There was no sin. There was no confusion. There was no anything like that. God made them in, their, in that form, and I think that's a wonderful thing. God, so God made them, male and female. God's got to change the times. We're up to like, what is it, 56 genders now? He should know better. Two genders. How ridiculous. I shouldn't even joke about that. Somebody be listening and think I'm talking not sarcastically. In the beginning, there were two. And now, there are two. And there's a lot of confusion. There's still only two genders. Now, we know that. I don't think anyone's going to come back and yell at me later on about this. Maybe somebody online will send me a nasty email. That's fine. Uh, we get it. We get it. Um, again, like when you're talking about, because people ask you stuff like that, and they're tempting you, they're testing you, and there's always that temptation to water down the Word of God. Don't. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Back to chapter 10. But from the beginning of, God, uh, beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Those are all the genders. And it works wonderfully that way, by the way. This cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. Now he adds something. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Now this is a problem, because a lot of us think like, I married the wrong one. I married the wrong one. I, I blew the call. I was, listen, I was married at 19 years of age, and our, and our wedding anniversary is November 17th, so I'd only, my birthday is November 2nd, do the math, I'd only been 19 for a couple weeks. Did I pray and ask God to lead and guide and direct me? No, no. I, I was thinking, boy, she's a honey. I'd like to have her around all the time. And I thought it'd be one long date. This would be so cool. Did God put us together? Yeah. At this point, don't even argue the fact. We're married. It's a moot point. And people come and say, oh, I think I married the wrong one. And I'm like, Ugh. again, I don't want to be cavalier. I, Bad Adam thinks, so sad, too bad, make it work. But I don't want to say that because it sounds like I don't, I don't care at all. But you can make it work. I mean, you really, really, really can. You be a, don't be such a selfish jerk. At one point, you loved her. And people say this to me, that, that really. Well, I, I, I don't love her anymore. I'm not sure if I ever loved her. And I always say, Oh, is that all? You had me worried there for a second. And people hate when I say that. You can build love. That is easy. God wants us to love everybody. Yeah, but this is a different type of love. It's built from the same stuff. Not about me. It's about you. 
I'm not being a selfish jerk. I'm being selfless. Your needs and your concerns are more important than my needs and my concerns. You attack marriage that way or any relationship, and it's bound to work. Love works. God invented it. From the beginning, it wasn't that, it wasn't that way. Uh, God didn't write a bill of divorcement in the Garden of Eden. He made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall, so God has a cause in all of this. Yeah. The twain shall be no more one. one uh, they, they, they twain shall be one flesh. So then they're no more twain, but one flesh. He says it twice because he's emphasizing. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And we got it on video. You said I do. You, you said uh, better, worse, sickness, hell, richer, poor. We, we, we got it on video. There's no sense going back on it now and pretending it didn't happen. God did that. Or allowed it. And now it's not even, it's not, it's not even well, I married wrong the first time, so this, this is going to... No, no, no. Don't... And he saith unto them, whoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. What does that mean? It means exactly as it says, I'm not going to soften it. Absent godly, biblical reasons for divorce. Now, let's say somebody, you know, I'm an 18-year-old jerk. I got married, didn't work out. I got rid of her, and I got another one. Then I became a Christian. Well, I should get rid of the second one and go back to the first. No, no. And, you know, like I say, each situation is a little bit different. Okay, um, I wouldn't discriminate against somebody from being an elder because they were divorced. It depends when. It, a lot of th- things come into play here. We don't have a, a big divorce rate in this church. Anytime somebody wants to divorce, they always end up leaving the church first and then getting divorced. Invariably, in every case. Why? Because they know what I'm going to say about it. And they want to get themselves out beyond my reach to say anything. Always. I want this to be a place of happy marriages. It is, by and large. I want it to be a place where struggling marriages go to get fixed, where good marriages go to get better. I think we have a lot of, there's a lot of people here who could do what I do as far as teach on marriage. A lot of people here, all the elders, you know, um, to be an elder here, even be a deacon, no, I wouldn't say that. To be an elder here, you have to be happily married or single, but not if your marriage is straining at the and you both and hate each other and belt you ain't <laughs> sorry you got to fix that for you uh, what are you going to share with everybody else if you haven't even fixed your own stuff you know what i mean if i'm whoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her absent the things that we already talked about if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another she committeth adultery i now, one of the test questions is, what does that do to people who are in a state of adultery? You're going to put any thinking cap and answer that one. We'll talk about that Wednesday night. And I wasn't going to, uh, uh, I wasn't going to answer that. Uh, his disciples asked him again the same matter. So they are like, and later on in Matthew, they're going to say, well, if that's the case, it's better for a man that he doesn't even get married then. <laughs> How he's laughed. Those are the apostles, the apostles. Oh, it's better. You mean I got to stick with the same one my whole life? It's better that I don't even get married then. 
Really? Wow. Obviously, that cult had a dim view of marriage, and Jesus was elevated for all time. No, marriage is... No, God invented this. He put it together in such a way. He's joined these. Now, in the recent days, the last few years, the Supremes, six years ago now, said you can't even discriminate against somebody who wants to get married, same-sex marriage, things of this nature. It's illegal for you to say to a couple, I won't marry you because you're the same gender. Assigned gender, birth, what, all of, work through all those, again, permutations. It's against the law for you to discriminate. Do I care? Not as much as I care about God's law. Let me just put it that way. And I'd like to help people and straighten them out and tell them what God says. Help me, okay? Model a great marriage. Two, don't get yourselves into these situations as much as you can control. I understand there's two involved in a marriage. I get it. Um, so they ask him again. They don't have any shame about asking him, remember? Uh, back in verse... Uh, chapter 9, verse 31. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. They shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. They understood not that saying, and they were afraid to ask him. They're not afraid to ask him about divorce. We're afraid to ask God when we're afraid what the answer is going to be. So if we're having struggles with our marriage, let's pray that, God, you want me to divorce him? <laughs> I know what the answer is after today's study. The answer is No. And a lot of times we're afraid, again, to ask because we don't want to know the answer. That's not a good way to live. Go to God with all the honesty and everything else. Uh, Okay, so that's all I've got to say on um, divorce. Now, our time is well spent, but that's as far as I want to get. So uh, if you have any questions, I didn't cover this exhaustively. I tried to, okay? If you have any questions, you can come see me later. That would be fine. Let's stand, and our worship leaders are going to come and send us out of here in song. Lord, we understand that for those who uh, even divorced incorrectly, anti-biblically, unbiblically, we know that doesn't constitute the unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So help us, Lord, to do marriage right. And Lord, for those of us who've got a history of doing it wrong, you're forgiving and a gracious and a good God. And we thank and praise you for that. So, Lord, again, we commit our marriage to you. We want to be the happy marriage church. The church where broken marriages go to get healed. Lord, help us to model your design, your perfect design for marriage. We ask it in Jesus' name.